a lot of the people in higher education or in the public sector have spent a lot of years there. Not to say they haven't left and come back, right? But for any of the students that are interested, all of the skill sets and entrepreneurship transfer, I'll give you some examples. Um, the sales skills I gained at CollegeWorks or the project management, it is so needed <laughs> because when you get to a complex organization, it's simply a more complex version of everything you did at CollegeWorks. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show, and don't forget to subscribe. We've got the Chief Activation Officer at Aurora Higher Education Center. She's been an entrepreneur. She's been a trainer of entrepreneurs. She's been a mentor. You can find her at LinkedIn. Her name is Lulu Lancy, and you can find her at LinkedIn. She's going to talk about using past jealousy to fuel accomplishments and how to become more productive and let go of the jealousy. But we both started that way. She's going to talk about where her grit came from, and we're going to get into real balance, which basically means work now so you can be balanced later. Welcome to the show, and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Lulu, thank you so much for making time to come out of the mountains, Denver's 40 under 40, women's chambers, top 25 most powerful women in business, tech stars mentor, member of the Asian Chamber of Commerce, chief activation officer, lots of titles you've had, lots of years, but the one that strikes me the most is uh, most powerful woman in business. I'm like, uh, of course, of course, always been that way from day one. Thank you for coming on the Edge of Excellence. Anytime for you, Matt. Well, thank you. And before we even dive into all the stuff you've done and how you got there and all your tips, what is your definition of excellence? Great question. I think after decades of trying to recruit it, trying to develop it, and as a mom, really trying to build it in my kids, I think it's when someone push above and beyond their potential and skill set and is a constant learner. In my college works years, I remember having all these students, huge talents, and some, you know, are nine out of 10 on raw talent, then it becomes what do they do with that? And I've always felt more drawn as a mentor to the students that even if their talent level is at a seven or eight, but they push themselves to a 10. To me, that always struck me as the definition of excellence is this lifelong learning concept um, that really originated for me during my years at College Works. Wow. So, uh, my wife was telling me, and I guess I don't go on social media that much. I didn't know she follows you on social media. I follow her back. So she's seen the kids. I thought it was all travel because you do a ton of traveling, right? I do. It's slowed down a little bit since I have two little ones, but still going. So I uh, said, uh, yeah, I'm doing the podcast with Lulu. Jill said, oh, she's not traveling with all those kids. I said, wait a second. She doesn't travel with her kids. She doesn't travel with her husband either. She goes by herself and just said, no. 
It's always with Gavin and the kids. Is that right? Oh, no, I totally ditched them. <laughs> oh, you do? Okay, that's what I remember. Because when you're successful, you need to have a successful marriage. You need to have your own life. Your spouse needs to have their own life. And the kids will definitely have their own life. You got to have these breaks. So you got to work on yourself. And one of the things you love to do is travel all over the world. How many countries have you been to? Oh, my God. I've lost count, Matt. That's a good question. I have to get on that. What do you think? Mm, more than you. <laughs> no way it's more than me. Bring I'm on the challenge. <laughs> I'm 73. 73 countries. Oh, less and than many, you. Many of them double digits. But you and I went to Saudi Arabia together. Yes, we did. We had so many good memories, Matt. I have such a great collection of photos of you and I traveling and you. Okay, well, we're not going to get into those. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that. But going to Saudi Arabia, pretty brave. That was an interesting trip. I remember getting locked out of the meeting room because there were females in our group and the hotel staff did not believe we had permission from the royal family to have a co-ed meeting. And we, do you remember sitting outside? Of course, you remember sitting outside for an hour outside of those doors before being allowed in to have our meeting? Yeah, it's pretty crazy to go from private planes and all those wow experiences to sitting outside the meeting. I also remember trying to purchase things at the market and not being able to talk to the salespeople because they refused to speak to a woman. Wow. That was interesting, too. Wow. Okay. So uh, interesting experiences that have made you who you are. And you've been pretty consistent for all I've known. You've always been a go-getter. You've always been kicking butt. You've always been one of the leaders. And it doesn't surprise me that you have uh, were the head of at Emily Griffith. You're the uh, chief of at, how do you say, uh, the Higher Education Center, Ari Ariana? Yep, Auraria. Auraria, I didn't say it at all right. Um, doesn't <laughs> surprise me because you always rise up to that level of mentor, leader, chief collaborator. Just always seems to happen as long as I've known you. So let's go way back into high school. I know you went to University of Michigan, which obviously means you did really well in high school. Where'd you go to high school? What was life like? And were you trying to get ahead? Was it conscious or was it accidental? Yeah, let's go back way far in the memories. Uh, I went to Wall Lake Western High School in Michigan, suburbs of Michigan. You know, now that I'm older and I have kids, I reflect a lot on, you know, things that really impact who you become in the future. Um, you knew I immigrated here with my parents when I was nine. And I think that's why I was drawn to entrepreneurship, despite the fact back then I didn't really know what that meant. But it's this whole building something out of nothing and building your American dream that really resonated with me because I saw it throughout high school. So I, I did do well in high school. I was the kid that had a whole lot of jobs, um, was always involved after school because honestly, we couldn't afford internet or cable. So it's really kind of boring to go home. And I also didn't have rides. So <laughs> it's more fun to just be busy all the time. And some of these habits that you built in high school and all the habits that I thank College Ricks for really contributed to who I am. And I think, uh, you know, what I try to do as a parent now is how do you build grit in the next generation, right? Um, because mine came from having to fight for things, right? Um, working out of necessity and whining about it, of course, because I was young and friends of mine got cruises. And in the summers at Michigan, I had to have, you know, three jobs and others could travel to Europe and insert some jealousy and bitterness. But, you know, I think in the long run, which is also why I travel so much, um, it shaped a lot of that motivator 
since I had it in my role models at home and at college works. So uh, you, you and I share that in common as well. I miss, well, I, I didn't have a bunch of money and other people around me did. My parents somehow figured out the vacations because my mom was English and I, and I had to go back to England. I'm sure you went back to China a couple of times, but there's that chip on your shoulder, right? And my buddy says uh, he loves to hire people with, he won't hire people that don't have chips on their shoulder. He says, don't waste a good chip on your shoulder. So you're having to fight for things and you're, there's this little jealousy. And I don't like jealousy either, but that jealousy of a couple individuals that had power over me in high school, maybe you want to have that power, that jealousy of a few people that had better cars and better things, maybe you want to have those things, that jealousy of achievement maybe made me want to achieve and then the travel thing it was it was a moment where i sacrificed the travel and i said i'm going to do this every year for the rest of my life and i did so we have this jealousy but i want to i want to ask you how did you take it from this destructive jealousy like i i get happy for people now but back then maybe i was jealous how did you take the jealousy and turn it into a constructive process and concert and create constructivity out of it all this learning that you've had all these experiences you had how did you get it out of the negative i think you know that old saying you are who you surround yourself with is really true i am such a college works champion because i you know got recruited when i was 19 i was a sophomore at michigan and you know you worked with me for years you know that i'm pretty spirited which is uh, by the way the nice <laughs> way to describe my daughter as she is spirited and <laughs> yeah. passionate. They have a book about spirited children. And I went, wait, is that why people have called me spirited my whole life? Um, you know, you're right. This energy, this motivator guided correctly is such, to me, a huge win. Um, I can also see how it can become destructive. Um, I was fortunate to have the college works people around me. Um, in some of the previous podcasts, everyone talks about the friendships and the relationships. I think to be destructive in college works, it moves so fast that you can't do it, right? I mean, you will literally implode because there's too many things happening where you can choose to be optimistic, you can choose to be pessimistic, but there's like five of them happening per day, right? A painter quit, a client's upset. Uh, it rained and it washed away the entire left side of the house with paint dripping down the bushes. You can cry, which I, I did. Um, you can laugh, which sometimes I did. You can scream, which I also did. And that's why some of those friendships last forever because you scream, cry. You know, I'm sure we did plenty of other unhealthy things to relieve stress, but it really shaped my optimism because I've seen what it doesn't do when you're destructive to yourself. Um, because I'm spirited, Matt, I'm sure you, Jeff, and the partners, Spencer, everyone that's worked with me would tell you that it took Lulu years to learn this lesson. Um, but you'll be proud that the fruits of your labor, now that I'm no longer with the company, <laughs> is blossomed into, um, I hope, an optimistic person. So um, I thank my time and all of my experiences, and frankly, all the good and bad memories in a good way, for honing in this optimism that's necessary for success. So you're conscious of it, right? You have experiences and you you want to do better. You want to be the best. You want to kick butt. And, you be, and you, you're in, you've been in EO forever. You've seen so many speakers. You've read so many books. You basically lived on Necker Island with uh, uh, Richard Branson. You've trained yourself to let go of the negative and focus on the positive. And I want to stop at the word spirited because I used to have a very spirited boy. 
and I would get on planes and do things and I would feel embarrassed. that People are judging me because my son's spirited. And Jill and I did not do the greatest job of handling that. And people would tell me, no, you want that spirited kid. You don't want the super quiet one. You want the one that's getting a little crazy. And I see parents on planes and I'll congratulate them for their spirited kids. And I'm now at the age where I try to take people's kids from them because I like kids so much and they think I'm weird. But when Jill does it, somehow she gets away with it. And allowing them to be spirited while still kind of controlling the dangerous part of it, I guess, is the challenge of of parenting. And you learn that challenge on yourself first. You and I are spirited people. And we had to learn how to channel it in a way that was more constructive than whatever we were doing before. Um, I remember you being uh, strong. I remember you being opinionated. I remember you being diplomatic. And I remember you being really good at conversation and vocalizing. So it didn't ever feel it was not your spiritedness wasn't like a, a painful thing like, you know, it was for me when my son was screaming in my ear in the back of the car. It was always a constructive thing. And so you furthered through um, life, pushing above and beyond and uh, and constantly learning. And you so you figured out a way uh, to channel your spiritedness or continue to channel your spiritedness. And as you're going through uh through high school, I want to get back to high school. You were getting good grades. You're doing getting good grades out of probably drive, doing a bunch of jobs out of circumstance. And, you know, I hated it too. I needed to do it. I'm so glad I did. And my kids didn't have that circumstance. I made them get those jobs and they're better off for it too. Uh, but however you got there, you're working a lot. You're getting great grades, sports, music, anything else you were doing? I think I did everything. Uh, back to the concept of skill versus effort. Um, you know, I'm Chinese and, and in my culture, the belief is that you can be, quote, a genius at anything if you put your mind to it. Um, to my father's great shame, math was not one of those things that I chose, but uh, I tried everything and put my hands to it. And I think that's a really unintentional positive consequence is that, you know, sometimes you enjoy things you're not good at. And through years and years of practice, you get better at it, right? So um, I played soccer in high school. I was in choir. I did performance arts. Uh, gosh, Student government's probably where I spent the most of my time. And I think that's the early signs of enjoying project management and making an impact, right? So I think all of the wide array of activities starting in high school, throughout college, throughout college, Ricks and beyond, is kind of what really helped me, quote, people talk about finding your passion and discovering your calling in life. You know how freaking hard that is when you're 18? <laughs> we don't know what the callings are, right? Uh, so I think starting early and doing all these activities helped me narrow things down. And that's one of my key recommendations for the next generation is don't be so afraid to try something. Because sure, you may not like it, you might love it, you not you may not be good at it. But it might be something you enjoy, right? And life's too short not to at least check some of those boxes and try some of those things. I think you were doing all this stuff because you knew the end. You wanted to go to University of Michigan. You knew that you better have the grades and the jobs and the everything on there. And you better be the president of one or two of those everythings. So I would guess, knowing you, that consciously you were doing this for the next step. Is that right? It was. I was actually trying to get to Harvard, but got waitlisted. So 
It's a separate topic. I'm sure my parents can talk about it with you for hours. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to settle on University of Michigan. And there's so many kids I hear just, I have, I have two friends whose kids, one just got into University of Michigan and the other one's waiting. I mean, it's so difficult, such a great school. So you get into University of Michigan, a little disappointed in yourself, which is funny. And I, I, by the way, if you're a high school kid listening right now, it doesn't matter. I tell all the ones I, I help kids get into college now as a hobby. And I tell, I start off by going, don't listen to your parents. Don't listen to the school. They're all stressing you out. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're a you're at a place where you can thrive, where you're going to find your peers and you could be at Harvard and that's not the right mix for you or, and find that another school is, it doesn't really matter. I will say if you can go to one of the top 10 or 15 schools, it does help because different companies recruit out of there, but there's probably more people that went to number 20 school uh, than the number one school that are crushing it in whatever field you're looking at. So it doesn't really matter, but you have this drive and you're aiming for the moon and then you go into college and you had to work in college too. Oh yeah. First, I just want to echo what you said. Kids, Matt is right. Matt is always right. It really doesn't matter in the sense that I think going to Michigan was my sliding door moment. When I look back, I don't think my life would have took me to college works, right? And it, it, more to come, of course, I wouldn't have married the same man I did. My entire life would have been different depending on just that sliding door moment and the amount of stress I put on myself about exactly what school I got into. It's the experiences that you make of it, right? So uh, I loved Michigan. If any Michigan alums are listening, go blue. And it's probably one of the best decisions I made. So, you know, sometimes life takes you the way it's supposed to go. So at school, um, I did work a ton. Ironically, the only time in my entire life I worked, oh, I mean, probably illegally young is when I started working. And freshman year, first semester for like a couple of weeks, I didn't work. I just went to school and it was horrible. <laughs> there was so much free time for an 18 year old who don't know what to do with the free time for the first time in my life. I realized that in high school, you know, you're in classes from what, like 7 to 2.30. And then if you're active, you're on campus at school from like 2.30 to 6. And then, you know, I worked weekends, I work nights. Um, all of a sudden, I have like two classes on a Tuesday. Yeah. And this is when the internet was booming, not to age myself. But gosh, you can build a whole lot of really bad habits when you're 18 <laughs> with a whole lot of freedom and a credit card company waiting at your dorm with no concept of what happens to the interest rate. So um, I promptly got a job. You'll love this. I was a librarian um, and a waitress. I had multiple jobs um, throughout college in addition to college works and loved it far better. I was way more productive. My grades were better when I had more things to do. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence Bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. 
Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. So if you're listening right now, Lulu is driven. So the first step is get driven. So Lulu had pain she's running from. I had pain I was running from. You know, I, I wanted to have more of the stuff that other people had. I didn't want to have to have the three jobs that my dad did, even though maybe working one job, I worked as many hours. Um, but I, I wanted, I was driven by that. And I was pulled by, you know, the values my parents instilled in me, the morals I had. So if you're not driven, you got to stop and go, okay, what am I looking for? So Lulu and I were lucky enough to kind of have it laid out for us in high school. Other people, they're searching and you search until you find that thing. And then when you're driven and you've got this goal in mind and you're beginning with the end in mind, it makes it easier. But there's also kind of a positive side to you. You were kind of checking the productivity boxes. I think there's a lot of people that are cool, just kicking it and feeling productive, playing video games or watching White Lotus, which I strongly recommend against. Why? Why, why, the, why the need to be productive? Why the need to just do more than everybody around you was doing? You know, I worked so much with students at Collegerix and even post, right? So I know we talked about this during Collegerix as well, is the motivation changes sometimes each generation, right? And I, I hear a lot of kids talk about the balance and what is the meaning of life and, you know, what are our goals and maybe making six. I remember when I went to college, you just, you want to make six figures, right? And ironically, that may not even be that much money nowadays. I don't think the two motivators are that different. You know, you can be driven in many ways. Uh, one of the things I took out of college, Rick, is don't look at things by per day or even per week, but more month, years, decades, right? So if you want balance and you want to travel, uh, I think both you and I have been fortunate because we worked for it. It was not handed to us to have have a lot of life experiences that will be considered balance for a lot of people. Right, going on these fantastic trips, spending time with family. All of the speakers at EO and at College Ricks had one theme. Do what you need to do now so you can do what you want to do later. And that's one piece of advice that has been life-changing. When you're young, you think you're invisible. You have boundless energy. You can have an entire bottle of wine and be totally fine the next day. And now I'm not going to disclose my age, but one glass of wine, I have two-day hangovers, your energy drops. And by the way, you can tell this is from a person with high energy. <laughs> um, kids, your energy level, your obligations and responsibilities only gets bigger. It's the most freedom when you're younger. Yeah. And we waste a lot of it, right? So I just want to share that I am very balanced. In fact, you know, to Jill or whoever follows me on social, uh, granted, social media is always the rosy color glasses, but I never had a midlife crisis, knock on wood, maybe it's coming in the next couple years, because I've done so much in my life, fun, business and otherwise that I never felt this regret. And now that I have a family, and I want to spend time with them, and I want to do things, I have put enough energy into building up my life in a way where I can do that, right? So Put your energy into investing in your career, your life, your development early on, because when that energy goes away and you have two kids, two poodles and a minivan, 
You don't have as much time. No, you do not. No, I do, do not, not have a minivan. <laughs> that was vetoed. I, uh, <laughs> I just could never 40 see it. minivan. <laughs> could never see it. I could never see it. Well, good, good advice. Not every day, not every week, maybe not even every month, years and decades for balance. Front load it, we call it now. Invest early. And it is just like investing. It's just like compound interest. If you invest in your life early, it compounds and people never catch up. So you did the college works gig, you as a sophomore, then you were a district manager twice. Yep. And then to Pennsylvania as a VP. Yep. And then straight out of the Pennsylvania VP, um, you went to Emily Griffith. I was an executive VP for um, years and then to Emily Griffith. Yep. Were you an EVP without a division? No, I think I was one of the full-time EVPs at the time um, with five or six divisions. No, but did you run a division while you were EVP or you oh, just? Oh, yes, I did. Okay, okay. So yeah, so you were one of, you were so successful and so uh, impactful. I think it's impactful is probably the right word that you became one of the leaders of all the divisions. And then you retired from this. And you met Gavin. Oh, we can't, we can't forget that. So you are the, some of your five closest friends and you are not allowed to pitch off the company pier. But funny thing is both of us got married to someone we worked with at college works. We both been married a long time happily. And by the way, if you've been married as long as that, you've, you've had some fights. So you've got perseverance, you've got hard work, and that's what it takes to stay married. And you're married to a wonderful dude. Um, and he has a business as well too, right? Yes. Uh, first, sorry, HR but we have so much fishing going on. <laughs> but the, but the, the, way, the way it worked for me was I already knew my wife, so I'm fully clear and innocent. And I know that there's some reason why you're innocent too that we're not going to get into. You found your, uh, your friend circle. You found your part of your family. You fueled your passion. And then tell us what drew you over to Emily Griffith Technology uh, technical technical college and what does it mean to be the head of partnerships and innovation? Yeah, so one of the things that I learned throughout my years at College Works, and again narrowing down this, what is your passion? What is your calling? What fulfills you? Um, and I also want to touch on the motivator piece. The cliche advice is cliche for a reason because it's true, right? Find something you enjoy doing. So I have discovered that I really enjoy making impact and connecting dots together. One of my favorite parts about being an EVP uh, or as a VP also is connecting all the dots, right? That you have to make sure you have this many interns going out, learning sales. If you hit this benchmark, here's how much revenue will come in. Here's all the dots you got to put together. It's one gigantic jigsaw puzzle. And I really enjoyed that process. So when the opportunity came at Emily Griffith Tech College, and also to Matt, your earlier point, there's a lot of opportunities for success uh, regardless if it's a four-year education, what type of four-year education, whether it's a two-year education or trade school, I remember starting to recruit out of some of the more rural colleges, some of the community colleges. College Works actually was one of the first times I realized that, um, and we were ahead of our game, right, that success isn't in the ranking of your schools, what you do with a lot of the skill sets. So Emily Griffith Tech College is part of Denver Public Schools. Um, it's a trade school, and it has programs ranging from healthcare to trades and perfect timing because I was the head of partnerships right when the pandemic hit and every job the school trained became dire 
dire for all the industries. So I think it's really fascinating. There's a lot of work happening right now in workforce, and hopefully for the students listening, it's helpful. Employers are looking for core values and skill sets, soft skills and hard skills, a lot of which I got out of my experience in college works. A lot of the students at Emily Griffith Tech College got it because of similar work ethics that they had to have, right? It's a school where a lot of students are the first one to go to college in their family, they're supporting family, they're adult learners. So I was really drawn to the student population because it reminded me a lot of the successful interns at College Works. Um, so my job was to connect the employers to the students. This is the part that I think a uh, huge opportunity for College Works back in the day if I, if I were there and we, we thought about this is that, gosh, we produce some of the top talent <laughs> out there. Not only do we filter through and find them, then we trained them. And then all of these amazing people, as I'm sure both of us well know, and to the alums listening, hello, they went out there and crushed it. So for two years at Emily Griffith, I talked to the employers every day about how to grow these people, how to hire oh. these people, how to- So you're find... delivering value. Yes. So you're, you're, you're the head of partnership because you're the one person that can deliver the most value to the partners. I feel like I can speak on the both sides, right? Because I was the employer and I was the developer. So I felt like I spoke the education language, but I spoke the employer language. So I'm just also telling all of the potential college students or alums, whoever the audience is, every employer would be dying for all the skill sets that you've built in six to eight months. It's crazy. It's so hard to find nowadays because things are changing. So that's what I did. I tried to develop some of the skill sets through experiences and help employers identify that in their workforce. Um, and it was an amazing, fulfilling role at Emily Griffith to kind of connect the dots together. And so the audience, by the way, um, you know, the College Works gig is only in the Midwest now. We turned it into a different brand, different company on the East Coast. And then California sucks to do business in, so we don't do business here anymore. So a lot of our audience can't do the College Works gig. So maybe they can go do Southwestern Books or they can go do study abroad and get an internship while you're there. Don't just study because Lulu's right. This is an easy time of your life. You don't need to screw around all the time. Get an internship, get a job while you're studying abroad. Make it a little harder on yourself fishing boat, canning in Alaska. Um, you can go look up internships, rank them by how hard they are, not by the brand on their label. Because if you don't know how to run an internship, you're not going to be running a good internship. So it's more than just what your company name is. So you figured a way to really, really push yourself. And I like what you said as an entrepreneur and as an executive in a big corporation, um, you like to get you like putting pieces together. You like figuring out how to prioritize what comes first. You like learning and focus on growing. You're always pushing above and beyond. So um, li I like how you said it too. at College Works. We filter a bunch of people through the interview process that are like that. And then we train them. So if you're like that, you find a place to be trained. And so you take that skill set from years of being a business person, I, and this is one, one of the reasons I want to talk to you, because they say that people will change their career six times in our generation before they're done working. So you started off as an entrepreneur, you sold your shares in that division, and then became an executive in the company helping other people. That's sort of a career change. Same industry, though. Is it really a career change? Then you go to a totally different career change. Uh, in this head of partnerships where you're delivering value. And I, and I like that too, because you deliver value. Your EVP job 
was delivering value to the people you worked with. Your, you, you say putting together pieces, prioritizing, you're impacting. It's kind of subconscious for you. You go to Emily Griffith, you're delivering value. And even on this podcast, you keep pausing me. Hey, wait, wait a second. Don't forget to deliver value. People are looking for people with soft skills. They're looking for people that shine with their core values. They're looking for people that work hard. And then I went and worked with these organizations to help you, you meaning you, went to these organizations and help them figure out how to figure out how to identify candidates and then instill that in their training programs. And what's different between that job and the new job as chief activation officer? So Auraria campus is a unique urban campus right in the heart of downtown Denver. And in education, one of the thoughts has always been, you know, we saw this at College Rick, sometimes students can't finish something and, and higher education loses them because life happens, right? So wouldn't that be great if on one campus you have multiple options a community college, Metro State University of Denver, CU Denver, it's all on the same campus. So a student can essentially work, get a degree, go back to work, go get another degree. So the campus was created so that three Hispanic serving institutions, 50% of the students are first in their family to go to college, can really complete the educational experience. And my role as the chief activation officer, kind of like at Emily Griffith, is connect the campus to the community. So it's surrounded by every major attraction in Denver. Wouldn't that be great if there's companies that are located around the campus, right? And that students has access to cultural celebration. So it's a really exciting role that, you know, in five years or three years or whatever it may be, it is one of the next fastest growing hubs in Denver where families, students, businesses, I mean, all the brain power in Colorado should be gathering on a rare area campus. I've, and I've actually been to that campus before. And I, my kids both thought about going to CU Boulder and CU Denver, and I've been all around it. I didn't realize it was a link of all three, but what a great idea. My daughter is leaving California, and she says, I am getting out of this effing bubble. There's no bubble there. That's a perfect community. If you're, and, and also, it's a great city campus. So I find that people want to live rural. They want to live city, or they want to live hybrid, and they tend to have their, their desire. If you're looking for a city campus, that's a cool place to go to school, and it's actually beautiful. It's a great city, and it is right in the thick of things. You got the baseball stadium, you got all the sports, you've got the Capitol Hill, everything's right there. You've got that train trolley thing that goes, so you have free transportation. And so now you're bringing the community onto campus, doing the same thing, linking them up with students. What other impact are the, is the community looking to make on the campus that you're trying to facilitate? I think just connecting all the dots together, right? I I realize I have a theme to what I've been drawn to um, besides the growth and, and pushing myself, but there is a theme of the enjoyment of things. I believe in building something and making it better than I left it. This is one of the core values that I think when you get older, if you experience enough things, you start to identify what makes you excited to go to work, right? Um, I see so much potential and if I do my role correctly, and if, if my team does it correctly, it will impact so many students. So your daughter first, um, she should definitely come to campus. <laughs> I will tour her around whenever she's ready. But if this is done correctly, the campus experience will be so different for a lot of the commuter students at this 
in, at all the different institutions, right? Not only is Denver at the cusp after the pandemic of what happens next to the city, is it going to grow into the next large city? There is so much happening in downtown Denver for activation and campus is part of it. So not only could I hope to be a resource for the city of Denver as it grows, but also for all these commuter students, first-gen students, to have a real experience in the true sense of that experience, right? So um, I think that's what drives me is to be able to create that and make an impact with all the partners on the campus. Yeah, I think you have a theme in your life of building win-win scenarios. Seems like we're win-win-win scenarios. Not just building, it's, I mean, you can build on top of something and ruin it. You can crush people while you're building, or you can be that rising tide that lifts all boats. So you've got these few passions and, and in your personal history of coming as an immigrant that are all combining. But I bet the path to your job, and I'm just thinking of, of the of people listening right now, it all sounds cool. Like, I want to do this too, but the path to this job uh, is probably not the typical path. I don't think they go start a business, risk a bunch of money, sell the business, stick around for a bunch of years, and then slide in. I mean, I'm sure that having this understanding of business and understanding of how business works help with that head of partnerships and innovation at Emily Griffith. But when you look at the team you work with, what's the typical path to that for someone in the car right now listening at 1.5 speed wanting to do this too? I think we all grew up hearing about this traditional path to success. You know, go to a good school, find this magic unicorn of a job that you advanced in, grow with, and retire with. The problem with this is that the path isn't just one path, and success means something different to each of us. And the traditional path to success is only the right way for some and not the right way for others. But we were so trained to follow this yellow brick road to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that we never pause to look around and make sure we're on the right road to begin with. Now, I was definitely following a carefully laid out path to corporate law when I did this crazy internship in entrepreneurship at age 19. And it turned out to be the exact fork in the road I needed to put me on the right journey to who I am now and hopefully who I become in another four decades of adventure and exploration. So I think, you know, for someone that prioritizes learning experience and pushing myself to the limit, having the chance at 19 to learn some of the business lessons that I don't think I would have had the chance to learn until I was much older. We were all dealing with supply chain and closing deals and hiring people. Now, these are situations that most people get to experience probably in their late 20s, if not 30s. Um, so thank you, Matt, for letting me make some costly mistakes on your tab, because <laughs> I would have been far more terrified to make them had I started out in, you know, for example, the traditional way or the public sector. And for me, at the end of the day, I just want to make sure I don't have any what ifs at the end of this journey. I think a lot of people we touched on earlier, this generation is motivated slightly differently than before. And this whole concept of living life to the fullest, bucket list, isn't just about climbing the highest mountain, although I do like that, or traveling the world or backpacking through Europe. I think one of the ultimate bucket list items is to have experience as much as you can and figure out where your potential is in your career as well. You know, I think one of my bigger regrets would be if I never discovered what my potential was. You know, what could Lulu have achieved with this time that she spent here? You know, in addition to the fun bucket list things that you and I both do. But 
Now, for those listening, there is no one path. We don't even know what the destination is. I still don't know what my destination is, but you know, I'm encouraging you, whether it's the traditional route, that's what suits you, whether it's the non-traditional route, just make sure that your journey ends with no regrets and no wondering of what if, and that whatever the definition of success is to you, to me, is success. It's back to what we were talking about in the mor- in the beginning. If you want to be driven, you got to know where you're going. Now, you may not know exactly where. So you were going up. And and I and we'll go back to your try everything, the high school try everything. I'm gonna try this weird college works thing. I'm gonna try this DM thing. I'm gonna try this VP thing. I'm gonna try this EVP thing. But the whole time you're going up, and if you want to follow Lulu's path, we don't know where you're going. It's you're just going right, but you're looking for skills. What skills can I get? I'm gonna try everything. What skills can I get? Pushing, persevering, treating everybody well, treating everybody with respect building a name for yourself because that reputation carries with you too. And then you try something new and it's Emily Griffith and you're like, wait a second, I found my home. And that's how it works. That's how it works. You don't find your significant other. I mean, I know some people might and my parents, no, no, some people might. And back in the day, it's a little bit different, but you don't find your significant other these days by just picking the first person and getting married and hope that it works out. And I really, this analogy just went really far south. I'm going to continue. We're not going to cut it, but uh, you you know how that could have gone south. Uh, you try different things. It's getting worse. And uh, eventually you settle down. <laughs> eventually you <laughs> settle down. And I'm changing the subject. We should just... have loved that. That was true, Matt. I loved it. <laughs> so um, I also wanted to just hit you up with, and, and it's kind of your your personal culture, who you are. But you're a Techstars mentor and you're a member of, uh, I'm assuming, a non-paid board with the Chamber of Commerce and the Civic Park Conservancy. Why? Why do you do that? I think it's our responsibility to give back to the communities that support us and to mentor others and ultimately leave things better than the way we found them. All of my civic leadership are nods to the communities that lifted and supported me throughout my journey and growth. Uh, my involvement with the Asian Chamber of Commerce as a volunteer, non-paid board member, is that at age nine, when I moved to the suburbs of Detroit, my parents found a very small AAPI community there so that their daughter can grow up understanding her roots and to have the traditions and rich heritage that I really appreciate growing up with. The other day, I made dumplings with my kids for Lunar New Year, and a childhood friend of mine reached out to say that those are some of her favorite memories as well. And I know at the time, it must not be easy for my parents trying to acclimate and adjust to this completely foreign land while making sure their daughter grows up not forgetting where she came from and her roots. So I hope that my time and dedication to the chamber can provide that sense of community to others here in Colorado. Um, My involvement with Techstars is, of course, a nod to my college works years the mentorship that I received from you, Matt, and the other partners, um, Jeff, Spencer, Jay, and Johnny, really has made a lasting impact. See, I'm getting more sentimental <laughs> in my old age, but I hope that the bit that I can offer and give back will help support the community that supports me. 
And I bet the community that surrounds you feels the same way that you hang out with the type of people that want to give back, that want to grow, that want to push, that want to try everything. And you, you, you end up, it's not cheesy. You said you're sounding cheesy. You're sounding wise. Wisdom seems cheesy when you're young and everything that seems cool is not cool as soon as you're like 23 years old and i could go through a long list of things i thought were cool in high school that i look back now and think oh my god i'm so embarrassed right so yeah it's not cheesy at all what sacrifices did you make throughout this that you look back and you're really glad you made that sacrifice and it wasn't really a sacrifice at all i think taking a risk is one of those sacrifices that really wasn't a sacrifice um you know, I actually watched this happen at College Works, which is the boom of social media overflow of information. And what it, in a lot of ways, it's great because as an information person, I, I enjoy the benefits of that. But also it can make people go into freezing and analysis. Right. So, you know, I think a lot of us when we first approach this opportunity to run a company and learn <laughs> um, I, I think back to the filtering comment, it really helps identify some of the mindsets of students, right? When you look at something and back to the career path of how do you decide what happens next, even if it seems random, all of my career path are connected, which is you look at something and someone shared this with me. It's really just a couple of questions. Is it good for me? Whatever that means, right? Whether it's money or growth, is it better than what I've got? And why not? <laughs> so it's really not that hard of a decision if you approach it that way. And I think the first quote sacrifice I made, which is running this crazy company I had in my very, uh, sarcasm included, wise 19 year old mind that my entire life was planned out on paper, which it was, I was going to go to law school and be a lawyer. And oh, I you know, forget, have I, forget I forgot this part of you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were very rigid that way. I had an Excel sheet for my second child, Matt, which it just oh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. had the perfect timing for uh, which. Yeah, that did not happen. So, um, you know, I think that was probably the first piece where my perfect quote timeline completely went out the window. And by God, what a perfect sacrifice quote that I've made because, you know, it led to everything else that happened. And I made a lot of my decisions based on those exact questions, which is, you know, am I going to grow from this? Is it, is it good for me? Okay. Is it better than what I've got in the sense of, you know, just where am I going with it? And then why not? Well, last question, who made your wedding dress? Because when I think of wedding dresses, since your wedding, anytime I think of a wedding dress, I think of your wedding dress, which was so unique. And it's kind of the wedding. And I, my wife would say the same thing. She doesn't like her wedding dress. Your wedding dress is the best wedding dress we've ever seen. And I know it was some amazing designer. Was it Vera Wang? Of course. One and only Vera Wang. Major wedding dress. What a beautiful wedding dress that was. What a beautiful wedding that was. Uh, Lulu, thank you so much for making time to come on the show and sharing all your insights. I just want to give you one last chance. Is there anything we missed that you need to tell people? Besides... Everything you just said. Works. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. Any any other pieces of advice? You've said a lot. I'll just end with for all the potential college works interns that are so terrified, right? You're young, you're gonna be successful. The worst thing that can ever happen is that it's a funny story of learning. So stop overthinking it. And it could be the best. I'm going to hit you with that too. I had a kid come to me this weekend. I was in Michigan at a training and he said, Hey, I want to start this business. 
you have any advice for me? And I thought, well, that's an interesting question. Do I have, I got like one second. Do you have any advice? And I thought for a second, I said, yeah, be patient. And he said, well, I don't want to be on the road to the, the train to failure. I said, you're at your second day of training for a really difficult <laughs> internship. I don't think you're on that train. Be patient. And I think that that's similar advice to yours. Uh, you guys got a long life ahead of you. If you if you listen to this podcast one more time, just hit replay and listen to these steps about finding what's driving you, being productive, um, understanding about pushing above and beyond, being a constant learner. Try everything. I think you'll be okay. Uh, there's a lot of good options for you out there. Thank you again, Lulu. It's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you, Matt. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.